After my grandfather died, my father would visit my grandmother on the farm in Thatch, Alabama. It's a small little community between Ardmore and Athens. He would go about once a week. She did not drive, so she was dependent upon someone driving her to the grocery store, taking her to the doctor, and helping around the house. We all pitched in to visit and help when we could, and when we walked in the door, she would usually tell us the news about neighbors and relatives. Unfortunately, it was always bad news. She would conclude by saying, ain't it awful? After my father died, it was up to my mother, sister, and I to visit, and we always joked about the ain't it awfuls. After some time, and my mother got ill, we all decided it was best if grandmother would be better off in an assisted living facility in Huntsville. In this new positive environment, she had new friends with which to eat her meals, have exercise classes, they sang together, and the staff was good to check on her. She loved it, and suddenly her life went from ain't it awful to isn't life interesting and wonderful. I'm Dale Clem, and I'm happy to share with you some thoughts about Easter. Last November, I took a group of persons to Israel and Palestine, and in Jerusalem we visited with a Palestinian Christian whose family became Christians at Pentecost. Their family, they say, was the fifth family to believe and become Christians after the Apostle Peter's sermon. He has studied theology, the friend that we met with, and he said that they had recently come to the conclusion that their church had fallen into the trap of mainly talking about Good Friday themes rather than Easter themes. It seems like my grandmother, they were stuck in the tomb of Ain't It Awful. Of course, life for Palestinian Christians gets harder and harder as their family land is taken and their travel, education, and job opportunities are restricted by the Israeli government. I can't imagine what their lives are like but I do know how easy it is to get stuck and overwhelmed with bad news and living as if you're stuck in Good Friday, rather than to live with the Easter hope and be an Easter people. On Good Friday, we ask a lot of why questions. Why is there suffering in the world? This leads often to a more personal question. Why won't God rescue me or my loved ones from our illnesses or our troubles? Of course, it's obvious that God allows suffering. For example, in America, people purchase automatic weapons and kill children in schools, synagogues, churches, nightclubs, concerts, and movie theaters. Whole communities suffer because of automatic weapons. Why are there tornadoes and wars which throw communities into chaos? We are better at living ain't-it-awful lives who are kind of like Chicken Little who thinks the sky is falling rather than living as hopeful Easter people. As a matter of fact, it's almost out of favor to be hopeful, peaceful, and content. If you don't have an ain't-it-awful attitude, you're looked down upon. We love to criticize others and other groups. I don't know what it is about us as humans, but we just like to be chicken little rather than ducky lucky. It's kind of like we've heard that there's a possible disease or the climate is being destroyed or the church splits and we want to go ahead and plan our funerals, quit our jobs and close the church. Why? Because we have allowed our fears of an imaginary future rob us of living in the present. It's stealing our joy. 
It's easy to get stuck in the agony of Good Friday rather than live in the victorious joy of Easter. The author of The Shack calls this fear-based future tripping. He reminds us that fear pushes us to the place where we think we don't have the resources and we're here alone. We think nobody loves us and we can't trust anyone. When we get stuck in this mindset, we forget that we worship a God of the resurrection. We have a future and a hope. The only grace we can experience is in the present moment, and we miss that grace because we're living in the past with our disappointments or we are afraid of the future. In C.S. Lewis's children's book, The Silver Chair, Aslan, the great lion who represents Christ, has called some children to go and free a prince who has been lost and tied up. The children find the prince and release him, but now the children get trapped underground in a dark world. The ruling woman has sucked all the joy out of the world. Living underground, the woman tells the children, There is no sun. There is no trees. There is no sky, no grass, no mountains, no stars, and no Aslan. Because they're living underground and can't see any of these things, they begin to doubt that any of these things exist beyond their imaginations. They're living in a world of darkness. And when you live in such a dark time, it's tempting to believe that the sad world is the only real world. And then in this story, Mr. Petalglum, the Marsh Wiggle, shows up and he wakes them up to the truth. He tells the dark woman, So what if we've made up all these things, grass, trees, sky, sun and stars, and Aslan himself? I would rather live in that fantasy world than this shallow, hollow, real one. I shall live like a Narnian, even if there isn't a Narnia. The task of Easter, friends, is to claim resurrection and joy, even when things look dark around us. The God of resurrection is as close to us as our own selves and in all of creation. This God of resurrection, Meister Eckhart says, is in all nature, and because God is in all things, they carry on, they evolve, they have a life force. What makes humans good is that God is within them. What makes animals and fish and trees beautiful and good is that God is within them as well. In the long view, God restores and is at work in the world. Resurrection means that there's another world, a spiritual world, with which in this life we only see glimpses. As Christians, we are challenged to live our lives believing in this unseen world, even if we can't prove it exists. We are trained, of course, to use our reason and have everything figured out before we believe. However, as Christians, the challenge is to believe even when we cannot see. There are things that we can only see through the eyes of faith. But every now and again, we have glimpses into the spiritual world which exists just outside our world with which we see. I'm reminded of this every time I hike down the McKay Hollow Natural Well Trail at Montesano State Park. Just beyond where the McKay Hollow Trail forks from the Natural Well Trail, you can hear rushing water, but you can't see it. The water's flowing underneath the trail and into a stream, but you can't see it there either because it's under the rocks. You just hear the rushing water. It kind of reminds me every time I experience that, that the spiritual world is hidden just beyond our sight. We have to have the eyes of faith to catch a glimpse of it. 
After the resurrection, Mary and the disciples had a glimpse into that next realm. Peter and the other disciples did not see the two angels, but Mary did. Jesus came to Mary, and she didn't recognize him until he called her by her name. The task of Easter is to move from the place of disillusionment and vulnerability to a place of trust and excitement. How do we do this? Perhaps we need to go back to Galilee and look for Jesus. That's what the angels said. Go to Galilee and look for Jesus. But Galilee is not just a geographic place, but it's the place in our hearts where we first fell in love with God. Galilee is where we started walking the road of discipleship. It's the place where we had dreams and thought we, like Peter, could walk on water. Galilee is where we learned about God's love and that there was nothing we could do to stop God from loving us. Then as life happens and our ideals and dreams become crucified and we find ourselves disillusioned, there's a young man sitting on a tomb dressed in white and he tells us, go back to the place where you first felt God's love in your hearts. Return to Galilee. Look for Jesus. Get back into your holy habits of making God and Jesus a priority. Go to Galilee and listen for a song of new beginnings, forgiveness, hope, and love. Relearn the songs of forgiveness and trust. Resurrection is a time is something that we can all believe in. Will Campbell says resurrection means you can't even kill someone and make it stick. It may look like the darkness has overcome the light of goodness, but even after the good has been killed, buried, and covered up, goodness can come back to life. On Good Friday, we ask those why questions. Why does God suffer through the crucifixion? You know, and one answer may be, maybe he had you and me on his mind. Maybe as he was going to the cross in his expansive knowledge, he was thinking that in 2,000 years from now, there's going to be folks in Alabama and Palestine and Guatemala and Mozambique who need to know that they were created in love and for love. Maybe he had Marius on his mind. Marius is a young man I knew when we were missionaries in Lithuania. He had an addiction problem. It was kind of like a tomb because in it he was stuck and he lost his marriage and job and family. Then he found his way to the United Methodist Church where he found some men who would hold him accountable and he discovered that God loved him in spite of the shame he felt about his addiction. If you were to ask Marius what God was like when he didn't go to church, he would have said, Oh, yes, I know about Christianity. Jesus was born in Bethlehem and died and was resurrected. God is love. But this superficial knowledge had not transformed his life. It was only after he stumbled into our church and he learned that God loved him individually did his life change. You know, it's kind of like two friends talking about a girl. One friend tells the other, you know, Natalie is such a loving person. The other friend might respond indifferently saying, yes, that's true. But if the first friend says, you know, Natalie is in love with you. Ah, that's different. When Marius discovered that God was in love with him, it transformed his life. He developed a prayer life, fell in love with Jesus, and was a leader in our church. His wife and daughter welcomed him back, and I was blessed to perform the marriage ceremony for them to get married a second time. He was not a perfect person, but he was a changed person. Easter became meaningful to him 
when he understood why Easter was important. The why is important. Jesus died and rose from the dead, not just because of that's the nature of God, but because God was in love with him. Is this not a resurrection story? When we hear God call our name with compassion and love, it fills our hearts with joy. Our hearts sing, but the joy isn't really complete unless it's shared. Joy cannot be hoarded. Christ blesses our joy when we share it with others, like he did with the little boy who shared his loaves and fishes. When we share our joy, it grows and other people are fed. Resurrection gives us hope that we can break out of the tomb of our fears, our addictions, our cravings. Sooner or later, we all find ourselves in a tomb of sorts. When we were missionaries in Lithuania, one of the youth in one of our churches passed by a sculpture of a devil every day in her city. She started having nightmares about this devil, and she would wake up trembling. The more she tried to fight it, the more terrified she became. She decided to take a step toward Jesus and ask for Jesus' help. At her church, she got a picture of Jesus and put it beside her bed. Each night, she looked at the picture and she prayed for Jesus to protect her, and she thought about the love of Jesus. And you know what? Her nightmares went away. She could now sleep in peace. Is this not a resurrection story? Is this not a time when we can see a glimpse of God? There was a young man who craved for material wealth. He worked hard to accumulate more and more. You could say he was addicted to more. Like Winnie the Pooh, who couldn't satisfy his craving for honey and rabbit's house, he got stuck in the hole of his own craving, just like Winnie the Pooh. One day the man said, you know what? I don't want to care about climbing the ladder of success. It's just not so important to me anymore. I care more about my family, about God, and about helping others. He changed his life. He changed his priorities. Is this not a resurrection story? A similar thing happened to friends who studied at Auburn University. They were passionate about football, and they were so excited to get to go to every football game. Then, through the Wesley Foundation, they found themselves on a mission trip and had to make a choice. Do I go on the mission trip, or do I stay in Auburn and go to the football game? They decided they'd go on this mission trip, but they talked about what a sacrifice it was. It was a real sacrifice to miss the game and go on the mission trip. Then, on the mission trip, after playing with kids who were experiencing life-threatening poverty and working with them and loving them, and those kids stole their hearts, and they realized the football game was going on even as they were playing, and it just wasn't so important after all. When they returned to Auburn, they were in the football stands, and as they used to just love, love, love that football game, they were talking about the new friends that they had met on the mission trip. And you know what? Their love filled their hearts, and they cared about them almost more than Auburn football. Is this not a resurrection story when their love for football transformed into a passion to serve and love others? It's as if Christ broke them out of the tombs of their small world. This Easter, my prayer for you and for myself is that we may be living in two worlds, one of sadness and despair, 
but the other world that's pulsating through life that we're part of. The challenges, although we may have our feet in both worlds, to have the faith to shift our weight to the new world, the one that God is calling us to, the one where we experience God's love and hope, not only for us personally, but for our churches. God is doing new things. God's living presence helps us move from fear to peace, from hate to love, from resentment to forgiveness, from death to life. My friends, if you and I can live out that calling with God's help, we can change the world. Will you pray with me? Thank you, O God, for being present with us, even in the dark times. Help us have the faith to see how you're working in our world and working within us so that we can be Easter people and let go of the tombs which entrap us, the negative thinkings, the ain't it awfuls, so we can enjoy the fullness of your blessings. Amen and amen.